0: You're listening to the Creating a Brand podcast. I'm your host, Alex Sanfilippo. In today's episode, I am interviewing Jared Grabeel. Jared is the CEO of a company called Superfit Foods, they're one of the largest and most successful meal prep companies. In the United States, literally, I'm not just saying this, but his achievements in the meal prep industry are second to none, they really are crushing it and growing every single day. He's obviously has to have some sort of science behind this, right? He's a phenomenal leader, and he's led his company to this success. He's got a great team around him. But I wanted to ask him specifically, why has he been so successful? Because there's a lot of great entrepreneurs out there that do really well, they work really hard. So I was like, Jared, what is it that makes you so different? And he immediately talked about his natural abilities and the things he's been through in his life have would have led him to the success that he's in today. So today I want to talk to Jared about leveraging his natural abilities to becoming a successful entrepreneur. And I believe that all of us, when we begin looking at our journey and leveraging these natural abilities within ourselves, we begin to see more success in our lives as well. And it's all about the journey that we've been on and just leveraging that Toward our success. So, this is an episode I'm really excited about today. So, let's go ahead and jump into my interview with Jared Grabeel. Jared, thank you for being here today, man.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having
0: me. Yeah, I was uh, looking forward to this conversation. You're a guy who has seen a very large amount of success in your industry. In multiple industries, really. And I I think that the thing would be most beneficial for the Creating a Brand listeners is really going to just kind of be to hear your life and how you've been able to leverage some of your natural abilities to be able to turn into an entrepreneur that's been very successful. So I'd love to kind of just hear some of your journey, some of your life. Start from day one when you were born. Let's go from Mm. that day. Yeah, you got it. But really, what kind of made you decide to get into the business world? Because you're definitely an, an athlete as well. What made you decide to actually pursue more business instead of maybe just going more into the athletic realm?
1: You know, a couple of things growing up, I think different entrepreneurs come from different backgrounds and like different creative elements can really contribute to what type of industry they get in and stuff like that. But for me, you know, we grew up definitely a low income family in a low income area. So like the early stages of my entrepreneurship are really just about survival and like fitting in. So, you know, like I remember, In elementary school, I think this was like third grade, I got in trouble because I like used a marker to draw the Nike sign on my socks and it it got on the clothes and the washer. And so I just say that to say like, you know, we we were so poor, I didn't even have the same socks as the other poor kids in the area. You found
0: a way though. You found a way to do it.
1: (laughs) Figured it out a little bit. And so like the early stages of my entrepreneurship, I just remember, you know, like fourth grade, me and a couple of buddies would meet up before school. Because we took like a city bus to school and we'd go to this gas station and either buy a big thing of candy or one of us would probably actually steal a thing of candy. And Got would... the profits up, right? Yeah. It was, again, it was about survival, right? And so we knew that at school, these kids would buy candy for a quarter of pop. It was like popsicles or airheads or something. And I've always been good at math, so I could, you know, at an early age, I could tell, like, if we buy this thing for $3 or, of course, if we steal it, then we can make a good, like, 8 bucks at the end of the day from 40 of these airheads. And then, you know, we split it two, 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 two. We've got some pizza money, you know, at lunch, and then we're good to go. And so that was just sort of always how my mindset worked from an early age because we didn't have a choice. Like, we had free lunch, and I wanted the spicy chicken sandwiches like everybody else. So it was kind of like every day was a grind to figure out, like, how to get a Mountain Dew. And how to get a slice of Hungry Howie's. You know what I mean?
0: Now, by the way, just for all of our listeners, we're not condoning stealing with this episode. That's not what it's going to be about. Not uh, at all. Not, no. not at all. But, uh, you know, I think that that's interesting because you already had a bit of a different mindset than most people. I think people that were in that situation, I'd call it a scarcity mindset. And many people kind of feel that they need to react to everything instead of proactively go after what they need. And what I mean by that is many people that kind of grew up in that same scenario that you grew up in they kind of back themselves into a corner and always feel like they're looking for that free handout and they're kind of holding on to whatever they get but you clearly spent more money as you made it because you knew that you weren't going to make more money without spending more money and you noticed that even at a young age even though you were brought up in kind of a situation that most people wouldn't have seen that potential that you're able to see and I find that really interesting about you that you were able to kind of gather that mindset at a young age of I need to get out and do something
1: yeah I mean I think it comes down to comparison you know especially at an early age of just recognizing like what we didn't have compared to what other people had that was an early push for me Is just to try to fit in whether he was even just to be able to afford like what people were eating at lunch began skateboarding when I was really young I always joke but I call it the poor kid sport because a board can last you a really long time but and I got good really quickly and so I got these like early on like sponsors as a skateboarder and I would get like stickers mailed to me and like stickers are nothing, right? Like to a company. But when you're in like sixth, seventh grade and like skateboarding school cool in your school, like I would sell these stickers. I'd turn around and sell them two bucks a pop. I just would sell them for whatever the skate shop was selling them for, but I had them like at school. And so I just began to sell these things and then I realized, all right, if I get better at skating, I'll get more free stuff that I can turn around and sell or I get to use it. You know, obviously instead of paying for my own, I think that's kind of where it roots back to like me learning early on how to represent like a brand. Well, skateboarding, you know, like DC shoes. uh, I remember I was sponsored. I think it's called flow. It was like the the stage before you're an amateur skater. So Mm you get like one pair of shoes a month. And so early on, I'm a big DC skater. You know what I mean? Like I was obviously bought into the DC brand and everything that I wore was DC and, and DC was the best shoes. And I would talk about DC. So, you know, early on I began to learn like what, branding looks like, right? Like positive branding. And, you know, I wouldn't wear the free pair of DC shoes. And then when they run out, go buy a cheap pair of some other, I would do whatever I needed to do to wear a DC. I became loyal to a brand again, you know, just kind of scarcity mindset led me to Early stages, learning how to represent brands and take advantage of you know like influential opportunities, which we don't even use in the word influencer back then, but it's been around forever. Right? You were a,
0: you were a pioneer though back then, right? I
1: guess you could say that, man. I just wanted some free stuff.
0: I think that the uh, social media platforms, like, what do we call these people? And they're like, there's this guy named Jared that I knew growing up. And yeah, he used the word influencer. We're going to steal that. The very right. first one. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Obviously, you're not a skateboarder anymore. I'd love to kind of hear more of your story of what brought you to where you are today. And I know a lot of it has to do with some natural abilities and talents that you just have always had inside of you. So I'd love to kind of hear a little bit more about that and kind of get into some of your actual strengths. But what kind of led you to where you are today? Like what changed into you focusing on meal prep is where you're at now? Alex, I'm not sure that we have the time to branch all the pieces together that brought me exactly to where I am today from, this from be the Joe Rogan podcast, the new version of it, man. It can be yeah, three yeah, hours. Dude. We're good to go. Come on.
1: Four hours <laughs> later. I guess your question more or less was like the skills that kind of got me here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of stuff has happened in the past 20 years from, you know, selling stickers. But I think one of the biggest things that I learned early on, especially being like I was always small and I was a white kid in a predominantly color neighborhood, you know, whether it's Spanish people, black people. So I had to learn early on like how to fit in, you know, without material things to make me look cool, right? So like I had to learn what it's like to be likable and to be a people person from a very young age. Not a people pleaser, but like a people person. That way I could fit into all different groups, you know, because like I moved around went to five different elementary schools and they were all in different low-income areas, so different types of people, right? And so avoiding being picked on, avoiding being – because. You know, I was, again, the small white kid. So I think that really translated as I got into like middle school, high school into just organic likability. I just became friends with a lot of different people for no inherent reason aside from just liking a lot of different people. And I look back at the opportunities that I've had, right, because I've had some pretty bad luck in my life and I've made some pretty big mistakes. But the only thing that's consistently ever gotten me out of it is just like relationships that I've established over time. Mm -hmm. By valuing friendships and I think when you value friendships it increases your potential to to just be likable And I don't mean like likable as in like you're the cool guy. I just mean like someone that people genuinely Wouldn't mind being around and so that's one skill that I think, you know I haven't necessarily mastered it, right? Because I drop the ball on friendships and I'm late to dinners and I have bad jokes from time to time or whatever but like just generally being a likable person is so important being patient with people Uh, listening to them when they talk to you asking questions reaching out to old friends stuff like that i think that's a skill that i acquired from a young age that's really 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 been fruitful in my professional life especially with what we do now where a lot of our success is based off of our relationships in the community so likability would be sort of the number one skill that's gotten me from there to here
0: So obviously, again, we're not all from that same upbringing that you are. We didn't have, you know, I'm going to call it an opportunity to kind of be around a bunch of different type of people and have to almost develop that skill. How would somebody like, let's just say me or one of our listeners who maybe they're not always the most relational people, maybe they're more focused on the administrative side of things. How can they kind of grow in that ability to be able to just have that likability and be able to build like stronger relationships? What's a big recommendation you'd have?
1: Yeah, so... I think one of the things that stops a lot of people from um, expanding their horizons when it comes to friendships, relationships, is a lot in our pride, but it's how we naturally judge others based off of our inability to understand the context of their life and their lifestyle. And so, obviously, for me, I had like different people around me all the time. You know, kids with money, kids that were broke, kids that were playing sports, kids that were breaking the law gamers uh artists you know like just all sorts of different kids growing up and so i'd learn to really fit in with all of them so as i got older you know when i would see people people weren't as quote-unquote different to me as they can be to other people maybe you grew up in a sheltered environment and maybe you went to private school and like all that stuff is great but it's really hard to understand people from across the tracks right And so I think one of the biggest things you can do is just to sort of humble yourself and be open minded to people from other backgrounds. And that's going to enable you to make relationships with different people. And then by doing that, you're going to expand your horizons. You're going to extend your relationships. And in turn, you're going to become much more likable when you stop assuming that other people aren't going to be like
0: you. That's great. So be humble and be open-minded are kind of the two big takeaways there. And I couldn't agree more with that because I actually think we live in a society that's very closed-minded these days. Uh, people get offended really easily, right? And I think oftentimes that's because they have their own set way already and they're not open-minded and they're not willing to, to be humble about things. They already know exactly what they believe and they don't want to hear what you have to say about it type of thing. And I think yeah. that's actually a dangerous place to be because it, it hurts a lot more than it does well because you never know when that person's going to come back in your life and when you're going to need them because... Jared, I'm sure that you've got some people that, you know, you never expected to be doing any form of business with that are now, because of the friendship you built with them, are now actually somehow partnered with you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ironically, now I I sell food for a living. So there isn't a relationship that can't be beneficial for me at this point. Absolutely. Right. It's important to know that, like, you're not necessarily a bad person if you're not open-minded, you know? let's just grow up. And like, we, we like football. And so we hang out with other people that like football and it just, that's how we go about our lives. And so if there's somebody that is an artist or a musician, maybe we just don't like naturally gravitate towards those type of people that doesn't make you a bad person. But I think in order to expand your horizons and create new relationships and become more likable, the idea is that you, you start to think outside the box and you know that you like football. So it's time to start looking for the musicians and the artists and the the soccer fans or whatever it may be, right? Like people that you think are going to be different than you, but they're actually just, they add to your community and they add to your your potential as a business person or even just as a human being.
0: I couldn't agree more. And, and you know this about me as well. And um, my wife, her name's Alicia, for anyone who's not heard me talk about her before. But uh, anytime we go to a wedding where we don't know anybody, she's like, Alex, you have to stay with me because I have this terrible habit of at weddings, going to every table and meeting every person from every yeah. background I possibly can a lot of those relationships have turned out to be partnerships in, in some ways. or people that I actually am able to rely on or great friendships have been born from the, just that, from being open-minded and going after those, kind of just the opportunity to meet somebody new. So I think yeah. that's great that you were able to say that. And, um, you know, it's cool that you say that because I think a lot of people now that are listening, they might, I think we have two categories of people, the introvert and the extrovert. The introvert saying, well, it's because Alex and Jared are both extroverts. But I happen to know that it is true for me, but that's not true for you. And I'd love to kind of hear you talk a little bit more just uh, about how you've, not overcome that issue? Cause I know it like in your upbringing, it was almost required, but what do you do now to kind of get out there and continue to build partnerships and friendships and those relationships? What are you doing to kind of form those?
1: Man, that, and that's a great point because I know you pretty well. And, and so I know that like you would easily be defined as an extrovert, but me, I don't know. I think this is a real thing, an ambivert where like I can absolutely have like a lot of um, energy and crowds do energize me. But I definitely withdraw at times too. And so like I'm what you would call like a selective extrovert. If I'm in a comfortable environment, then I am extroverted. And if I'm in an uncomfortable or a new environment, oftentimes I'll be introverted really just because of my insecurities. And so I have to be really like self-aware because I know the value of friendships. I know the value of new relationships. So I have to sort of like pep talk myself if I'm going to a, a party with people I've never been to or if I'm mm-hmm. going to an event where I'm not, like, known or it's not my friend's event, right? Like, I know that I'm going to be seeing people that I don't know, so I have to consciously prepare for that. I try to remind myself the value of relationships, right? Like, introverts as well, they spend a lot of time in their head. You can sort of convince yourself that there's, like, failure associated with meeting people. And once you get over, like, the idea that you're not the center of the universe and, like, if you were to introduce yourself to somebody, nobody's going to be thinking, like, They weren't thinking about you in the first place, you know, Mm -hmm. and then they were probably thinking the same thing. Like, man, I wish somebody would introduce themselves to me so I can Mm -hmm. meet people. So just kind of taking the initiative on that and then you become even more likable, you know, like and I literally we sometimes I've been to, I think, two weddings with you before or like, you know, at the same weddings and I just watch you and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go do what Alex is doing because he's crushing it. That's (laughs) funny. You know, nobody like these people don't know you, you know what I mean? But they're fine with you walking up and introducing yourself. And so I'm like, all right, he hasn't gotten like booed off stage yet. You know what Right, I mean? right. So, yeah, I just kind of remind myself that I'm not the center of the universe and mm-hmm. that a lot of people are thinking the same thing. So why not make it easier for them and introduce myself first?
0: It's absolutely 100% accurate, man. I've got nothing to add to that. I think that's great. The number of people creating brands is increasing more rapidly than ever before. Whether it's a personal brand, product, or service, more entrepreneurs are getting started today than any other time in history. Although these are exciting times, there is a problem. The problem is that most people don't know where to begin. And as a result, they end up wasting a lot of time and money on products and services that they just don't need. Wouldn't it be great to have a guide to help you save time and money instead of wasting it? Well, there is a solution for you. It's called the Creating a Brand Community. The Creating a Brand community is your digital mastermind or tribe. It's a network full of entrepreneurs devoted to helping each other succeed. We all help each other by sharing our experiences, recommendations, and discoveries along the way. As we like to say it, our goal is community collaboration focused on helping your brand succeed. The Creating a Brand community operates on our own social media platform. That's right, it's not another Facebook group. Our desktop site and mobile app feature online courses. Focus groups and topical discussion, along with live digital events and in person events, and exclusive content, all focused around the development and success of your brand. If this sounds like something you'd be interested in, please join at creatingabrand.com. It takes less than three minutes to get set up and become part of this community of successful entrepreneurs. When you join, please message me within the community, Alex Sanfilippo. I'd love to have a conversation with you and welcome you to our community i kind of like to get back to your story now a little bit more to kind of get into some more of your skills that you have and your journey even. You run a very successful company. I would go out as far as to say it's one of the most successful in the United States, at least. I don't know what the rest of the world looks like, but you've done very well for yourself. So what made you get into that line? Like what led you to decide that that was the way for you to go?
1: Man, so again, super long story, but I'll try to condense it and just give you the cliff notes. From my candy and then obviously my sticker business, I began skating more and got into high school and stuff like that, and eventually had to get a real job. When I began to do a real job, I realized quickly that I didn't love working for other people. So sort of one of the things that came along with, at least in the culture that I grew up with, came along with skateboarding was smoking pot. And so at an early age, I began to sell pot. And I won't get too much into that story, but like most things, when you break the law, you're going to get caught. A couple years down the road, I got in a lot of trouble for... Selling pot as a young teen. Fortunately, I was a minor, but I got charged as an adult, and I had to give that line of work up. And in doing so, like the next day, I literally didn't really know what to do with my time. And a buddy of mine invited me to the gym, and I was kind of into fitness back then. Really, just kind of like a just a young kid that was like skin and bones. So anytime I did a push up, you could tell. I was like, well, I'll go to the gym. That sounds cool. I really didn't have anything else to do because all I did with my time back then was school work. You know, like I was in high school. And I just smoked weed all the time. And so it was like a big shift in my lifestyle. And this is when I was 17. And so I went to the gym with him once. His name was, Mo- well, his name was Brandon, but we called him Mowgli because he looked like up- Mowgli off the Jungle Book. All right. <laughs> but like literally, I just remember we went and it was a Monday. We did chess and I just felt fantastic, man. I absolutely mm-hmm. loved it. And of course, you know me now, and there's just something about personal growth that lights me up, right? Like I want to always be something that's growing me. So I just have not stopped going to the gym since then. But with the way that I am, right, and we'll talk about strengths in a minute, but I've always been a learner. So like immediately, mm-hmm. as soon as we started going to the gym, I began to learn about movement and exercise science and how to get more results. And so I grew in that area. I went on to get a job at a gym. You know, the summer after my senior year, I ended up spending a couple months in jail because of that earlier crime in jail. I remember the jail life, at least in county jail is nothing like the movies way, way worse. So like, if you're listening to this story, this isn't like a glorification. This is like a realization it's miserable and you don't get to go outside. There's not like basketball hoops or like bench presses and stuff like that because that's very dangerous. So you're kept inside of what we call a dorm and like, there's just random picnic tables and like phone booths and stuff. So I would create these workouts with like random items. You know what I mean? We'd fill up pillowcases full of like shampoo bottles and do curls with it. Like, I would just make this stuff up. And uh, I remember one day we were doing a workout because, like, the guys would usually come to my room in the morning and be like, What are we doing, Jared? What are we doing today? And one of the guys was like, Jared, you should be a trainer when you get out of here. And I, Alex, I didn't even know what that was. It's like <laughs> it's how hmm. sheltered I guess I was. But yeah, I was like, What is it? Tr- what's a personal trainer? And he explained it to me. And I was like, Yeah, you know, I just like a light bulb went off. Like, God just threw me a bone. Right, because um, I knew I always wanted to be in business, but obviously that got me in trouble because I didn't have a clear vision of what kind of business. So at that moment, I was like, "That's what I want to do." So when I got out of jail, the end of the summer in 2008, I literally hooked up the dial-up connection and, um, go. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> googled how to be a personal trainer. And I was in full-time college when I got out of jail and working full-time. So at the same time, I purchased the certification studied. I went on to get a job at a gym. And shortly afterwards, I became a a manager. And then fast forward, right? A couple years later, after doing it for five or six years, I was a GM at a chain of health clubs. I decided to open up my own gym. And this is May or January of 2015. Mm -hmm. Uh, I decided that it was finally time for me to take that leap of faith with my newfound faith because, you know, other side story, I had recently given my life over to Christ And so I just was like kind of on fire for my future. And, and so I pitched an investor on opening this gym model that I had drawn up and he gave me the approval. I quit my job working for a corporate chain of health clubs. I moved back home to Lakeland, Florida to open this gym. And a day before we were supposed to begin the remodel of a facility, the investor called me and basically backed out. Yeah, that was the day before
0: the day before so this is
1: february 1st 2015 sounds like a great day yeah it was my birthday
0: oh happy birthday
1: yeah thanks (laughs) right (laughs) um so i was just dumbfounded man i didn't really know what to do this is my first go at being an entrepreneur or really a business owner and i looked across at my buddy we were at breakfast and i was like can i sleep on your couch for a little while and like any responsible friend he said yes for 3 months you can <laughs> and so
0: i like uh, to give you a, a
1: hard timeline on that i like that yeah, he gave yeah, you yeah. the that's time what, that's what good friends do you know so i began training again for the first time in years i just i didn't want to run anything i reached out to a buddy of mine that was a manager at a local gym and i just i sat in the gym 12 hours a day taking free sessions until i built my book of business and within about a month i was training full time and honestly alex like it was really one of the best times of my life very little responsibility besides my clients and just paying rent. But then I ran into, who's a good friend now, um, an acquaintance at the time. He was at the gym, a local business owner. And he reached out to me and asked me if I was still interested in opening up the gym. And I said, no. That time had passed. I really felt like God was pushing me in a different direction. I didn't really know what yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, well, if you didn't open a gym, what would you do? And I, I really didn't know. It was kind of like the only thing I knew at the time And he said, well, what about meal prep? You know, nobody's doing that around here. You seem to have a grip on that. I've done bodybuilding for years at the time. And I was a certified nutrition specialist at the time. I still am, of course. And uh, a lot of my clients got great results because I was one of the only trainers in the gym pushing the principles of nutrition and how valuable that really was. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, I can sell some meals, you know, because I thought that's how simple it would be, right? Like, just sell some food. Of
0: course, it sounds easy, right?
1: Yeah. So I committed. I was like, let's do it, man. You know, I thought it would be a small-time gig. And um, the next day, I came up with the name Super Fit Foods. And May of 2015, we officially got an LLC. You know, it's almost been four years since then. So that's kind of... I tried to make the story short. It's a much longer story than that. But uh, that was the shorter version.
0: I I think the the big skill in there that I hear, and really you mentioned at the beginning, which is being a learner. In every step of that phase, you you kind of adapted and learned more as you went along. That truly is a skill to be able to be someone who can actually learn and adjust their life based on what happens or pick up a new skill. Yeah, you want to be a personal trainer, but you didn't really know what that meant. You know, you got out of jail and you're able to get into the actual curriculum you needed to learn. And then when you're doing meal prep, you're able to go back and do the same thing. You're able to go look at that and say, okay, how do I actually make this happen? Yeah. So I think like, honestly, being a learner you and I both actually share that skill, that talent, that ability, if you will, and people comment on both of us for it often, but we both have a big ability to learn. So when someone challenges us with something, we always say, you know, both of us will kind of, people can see the wheels turning our head and we'll go figure out everything about that topic. And that's just kind of yeah. the way that you and I have always been
1: it's one of my strengths that,
0: that I value the most. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can learn other strengths with it, right? If you can learn, you can learn other strengths. So Yeah,
1: and it's kind of like my bias approach to it, right? Because, you know, I think we're going to get in the conversation of it, but the strength finder has, I think, 34 strengths. Mm-hmm. But what I always say is like, Again, I'm biased, but like I feel like learner is the best one because you can learn how to woo people. You know right. What I mean? Right. Exactly.
0: Yeah. No, it's good. And I definitely do want to come back to that. But uh, now, you know, I want to talk about SuperFit for a little bit because sure, you were selling candy and stickers and weed at one point. You know, those were all yeah. pretty small businesses in comparison to what you've built now. And I myself have been a SuperFit Foods customer for I believe over two years now. Shortly after meeting you, and that was based on a relationship. So you know, kind yeah. of going back to that, but. I kind of want to talk about the success that you've seen and how like some of these natural abilities and skills that you've just had throughout your life have kind of driven this business forward.
1: Okay. Again, I think just being a learner has contributed the most because, you know, when we got into starting a meal prep company, my partner at the time, his name was Frank, and neither of us wanted to cook.
0: And so, that's, that's convenient. Yeah. Let's start a meal prep company, but not cook. I like that.
1: Exactly. And so like, you know, Frank was basically the business guy. He had a relationship with the bank. I wouldn't call Frank an investor because we both went in at the same time, but he was sort of the financial um, backing of the organization. And in mm-hmm. the early stages, we really didn't need any, but he was the inspiration for it all, which is kind of the most important thing. But so at an early stage, we hired one cook because we only needed one. We used Frank's kitchen in the very beginning, but after about two weeks, it was too much. And I don't think that's legal. So, Correct. Uh, it's
0: not. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so we, we began to rent out a commissary kitchen uh, with one cook, and then we hired two cooks. And literally during every phase, Alex, of this, and you're my good friend, so you kind of know the details of some of this stuff, but I have to learn every single day, every week, every month, because essentially I'm running a restaurant. And I have no experience in the restaurant industry. I mean, I served sushi for like three months during a period of my life, but literally, you know, no experience running a restaurant, managing one, partnerships with food distributors, containers, I mean, even grocery bags, getting deals on boxes. I've had to learn so much. And so like, we would have crashed and burned a million times over if I didn't actually enjoy learning, like the challenge of learning. Mm -hmm. And there's been a ton of stuff that I haven't enjoyed doing, right? Like I don't enjoy negotiating chicken prices. Because I'm a learner, I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure out how Mm -hmm. that works. And so that's really the most valuable characteristic of mine that's helped us grow is my ability to learn because we started this company in May of 2015, kind of right before it became a popular business model. Meal prep is a really fast growing market, but we got into it a little bit early so there was a couple key players that we could learn from, but we've definitely been able to learn from competitors that have popped up and some that have gone away, obviously, over the past four years. And that's the characteristic that's attributed most to what we would define as our current success.
0: Right. And, you know, we've covered that a lot. And I think we could talk about that a lot more. And maybe in the future, we'll cover the, the ability to learn a little bit more because that's yeah. something we're both passionate about. A lot of our success is driven off of just that alone. You know, I look at Superfit foods and I'm looking at some of these other competitors because, you know, as a customer for two years, sometimes the advertisements that come up on my social media, these other meal prep companies, I've seen many of them come and go, but you guys always stand that test of time. But also from a marketing and sales perspective, you guys are second to none. Sure. Yes, you learn those skills and all that. But like what has naturally been something that's kind of helped propel that forward?
1: I guess another thing that's really attributed to where we are today One thing that I think is important for any business owner or entrepreneur is just, and this doesn't necessarily answer your question, it kind of answers your first question, but grit, man. Like the ability to survive through difficult circumstances, no matter the costs. There's been so many instances where, like I said, before we started this company, I was really happy. And there's been a lot of seasons throughout growing this company where I just haven't been. Not long ones, but just difficult seasons. And that's, you know, when you start a business especially one that we believe makes an impact in the lives of every single client and the community There's going to be difficult circumstances. And I could have given up a million times over. So could our staff, our cooks, our management staff. Um, but we didn't because we always remember our mission as a company, why we exist. Right. And it took a little time to figure that out. But once we decided, you know, that SuperFit was created, like God had divinely ordained this company to be, built uh, to serve people, but most importantly to empower them to live happier, healthier lives. because we think if people can eat better, everything else gets better. Like our grit is easily associated with our mission. I think that's so important because we live in a world today where people give up easily. Entrepreneurship is glorified, but nobody glorifies giving up because failure is not giving mm-hmm. up. You know, you can fail a million times, but that doesn't mean you have to give up. But a lot of people give up because things aren't handed to them easily. And this business was not handed to us easily. Like our client base that we have now was not handed to us easily. So, aside from being a learner, just growing up with grit because nothing was ever handed to me. So, leading that way too, just always recognizing like we may not get the easiest deck of cards, but we're going to play it as well as possible and we're never going to fold.
0: That's good, man. I mean, you mentioned grit, but I like that you also mentioned with it, you mentioned your mission because. I'm a huge believer that sure, running hard and running fast and all that is completely pointless if you don't know where you're going. And without yeah. a mission, you're just, you're running <laughs> aimlessly, right? So having that mission clearly defined, which you, you said it there, is a big piece of actually succeeding and like, you know, operating in a place of just high capacity, a place where it's going to be failure is going to happen, but keeping yourself going, keep yourself focused, that mission is really what, what has been able to do that. So That's really cool to hear that, you know, you have something more than just not just grit alone. It's grit, but it's focused at the same time.
1: Then to answer your question about marketing, man, I've always been captivated by what people put their attention into. Like even the colors that people like during different parts of the year and different colors that stimulate different decisions. Right. Like red is easily associated with like buying decisions. So like, you know, make a button red, but you know, make your advertisement green because it's soft and it's easily associated with healthy foods. And so I really dig into a lot of that stuff. I like what people like. And so because I'm so interested in that, I think this helped our marketing strategy over the years because I know a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs that kind of like hand that stuff off to other people, which is fine, right? That's not everybody's gift, but I'm really like absorbed into the marketing side of what we do. I think that if I were to choose to not be a CEO I would be a CMO because I love just watching campaigns be successful and and wondering why certain campaigns aren't successful, doing the testing, ad spends with different campaigns and different platforms. And so because I get so captivated by the information involved with marketing, I think that's attributed to some of our success there because we always try to be on the forefront of people's minds and we're always watching trends, right? Because in the digital marketing age, things change within a week key phrases that were popular last week that some celebrity coined on Twitter are now not cool anymore you have to you know use a different tagline to promote your product and and so I just I love being involved in that what's helped us is just really really staying relevant and following key trends and knowing which ones are relevant to us right because we sell food so we don't really get to leverage a lot of trends in the media and stuff like that right but the ones that we do you know we we do like <laughs> like we really like the meal prep and chill campaign <laughs> you know yeah, what it's I it's
0: mean? a good one it's very popular i like it
1: it's catchy and it you know it associates a new mindset to that phrase which is cool the marketing thing man i'm always wondering what is on people's minds what are they going to click mm-hmm. on what do they like right now and because of that and i think that could be rooted into really just again going back to my upbringing of like not being able to fit in unless i made a a conscious effort because I wasn't handed anything. And so I was oftentimes, you know, moving around a lot and always having to figure out like what these different people, what are they interested in? You know what I mean? And so I I think that comes back to our marketing, man. You know, we're marketing healthy food to a lot of a non-healthy crowd. And so it's like, how do we make this look cool? How do we make eating clean, sexy and attractive? That's the question I'm asking myself every single day.
0: Yeah, that's that's good, man. And you said one thing right kind of at the start then when you're talking about marketing that I liked. And you said that I like what people like. And I think that's actually a big attribute to your success as a CEO is the fact that you're focused on the other people and what they're interested in, not just what you're interested in. Because I think a lot of businesses fail, especially startups, because they're so focused on what they want, which is I want to make profit, I want to succeed, I want people to see me. And all these different things, they're not necessarily focused on what the customer wants. Even if it started off that way, I think many of us, when we start seeing dollars roll and we switch, but you've done a very good job keeping the focus on what your customers want and your potential customers want. I think it's a huge attribute to your success. So with the last kind of few minutes of our conversation here, you mentioned it earlier, but you talked about strength finders. I believe that's by Gallup Press. And uh, they kind of do an assessment, which gives you your top five strengths. I'd love to just kind of talk through those real quick, if you don't mind kind of going over yours or at least maybe focusing on a couple of them here, just so we can kind of give people an idea of the power of knowing what your natural abilities are because this test, it's StrengthFinders 2.0. It truly will tell you what your natural abilities are. Focusing on those is great for each of us to do.
1: We love the StrengthFinder at our organization. Actually, every new hire does it. Sometimes oh, that's they, great. Yeah, they do it during the interview process because that could be a deciding factor for us mm-hmm. because I don't necessarily want a whole bunch of replicas so I do like to get people with different strengths for different roles. But one of the things I love about the Gallup Strength Finder, unlike any other personality quiz or test, is that there is no negative association.
0: Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, yeah. You can
1: do the Myers-Briggs, which is great, but it'll tell you like, these people are great at this, but in relationships, they sometimes do this. And and so it's, it can be like a, they're all self-fulfilling prophecies, in my opinion. So you, you speak something like that over yourself, you're going to believe it. And so what I love about the Strength Finder is it just associates your top five strengths. There is no negative to it. And so when you find out your top five strengths, that can be very eye-opening and realizing like, oh, wow, I had no idea that I was a learner. You know, like some people take the test and they're like, I didn't right. realize I liked it that much, but now I know. Or I was responsibility. I had no idea that that was one of my key strengths and that mm-hmm. people can really count on me. No, no wonder people always call me and, you know, whatever. So I really liked it. It just speaks life into your character which allows you to multiply those strengths right away if you didn't already know them. Mine are, number one is learner. Two is input, which basically means that I like to absorb information and store it for later use, Which, if you know me. One of them is futuristic, Mm -hmm. um, responsibility, and focus. So, you know, if you know me, then those probably make perfect sense.
0: Absolutely. They, 100%, you know, me being a guy who knows you pretty close, that, you know, that that's you. If someone wrote down those five strengths and said, who is this? I'd, I'd say that's Jared Gray. <laughs> I think they're kind of in a way like
1: a few of them are kind of boring because they're so similar to the others, like input and learner. I feel like it's just like one and the same, and, but it's whatever. I didn't get to choose what they are. But I think when you recognize your strengths, especially in the early stages, it's really important to just focus on multiplying them. Once you get comfortable with your strengths, I think it is important to recognize that there's always like a devil in the details of your strengths, right? Like there's always a dark side to them, but people don't recognize this. And I think it's important to acknowledge it. For example, and I'm really big on the strength finder, so I'm not like trying to turn, flip the script. I'm just trying to mm-hmm. talk about something that not many people talk about. I have to recognize that, yeah, I'm futuristic to a fault, I'm so good at being futuristic that I can forget a lot of times that like right now is really important. Right. Yeah. A few of the strengths, they can be like that, right? Like I can be so focused on input that I don't focus on practical application. I just want to know stuff. So I have to force myself sometimes to do stuff. Futuristic. Like I'm so focused on how do we get here in the future? I forget like right now is fun. You know, same thing with responsibility. I'm so focused on getting things done that I don't take time to breathe or or to rest. Once you get really good at your strengths, I think it's important to recognize the dark side of it and then also spend a little bit of time avoiding them from being weaknesses, if that makes sense. You
0: know what's funny? On my Strength Finders, we share three of the five. We're fairly similar. Enough differences that we do a good job building each other's businesses through just input alone even. But um, I do hear you with that. And I think that a lot of people, we kind of get so focused on our strengths, which is great, but we kind of forget what it leaves in lacking. And it's important for us to kind of take a look at that and evaluate that in ourselves. But at the same time, some people listening, I'm sure that you've never done strength finders or maybe any personality test. And I really want to encourage everyone to actually do that. No, Jared would say the same thing. It's so important for you to realize what you're naturally good at. And these tests aren't going to lie to you, it's going to tell you who you really are kind of the core, as far as the strength is concerned. And actually, just knowing those, sometimes you will kind of sit back and be like, Oh, wow, I I am good at that. I never really, never really thought about that. And yeah. you'll be able to, to further develop those skills because now you have them in front of you. And Jared, I know you're the same way. I've got my skills written down in front of me. I look at them every day just to remember where I'm at and to kind of keep focused. And like you, I also focus not on the negative side. I know you wouldn't call it that either, but on the side of like, okay, by me operating in these skills all the time, being so focused on them, what am I lacking in that moment? And for me, sometimes it can be to remember the people that are around me today. You know, sometimes I can get so caught up on the task that I want to finish. I'm like, okay, I got to remember I got to love all these people around me, too. I've got to be there for my teams and I've got to be able to kind of pour into them as well, which means kind of pull myself away from my strengths for a little bit, but so that I'm able to really keep them motivated and encouraged. And I'm I'm sure that's way elevated for you being a CEO and having the, the team that you have.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, with the futuristic thing, a lot of times I have to remember like to celebrate present wins. And to focus on, you know, because I have a a staff and they're all human beings and they have feelings and thoughts and stuff. So sometimes they don't care about the future because the present can be heavy. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm always just really focused on leveraging them for the greater good of whatever my mission is. But, yeah, I do highly recommend for the audience taking the test. And then, you know, especially if the audience, if you're pursuing a career that you haven't necessarily gotten yet, when I consult or coach or mentor, whatever you want to call it, I always recommend that people put their Gallup strengths, their top five strengths, on their resume. I recommend putting it on your LinkedIn profile because it, it it says a lot about you right away.
0: It absolutely does. I couldn't agree more. Anything that you have from Alex and will have those five things somewhere on it. I think it's very important. It's good for people to see because it can tell people if that's the type of person they're looking for or not looking for, which is equally as important. So. Mm. Well, very cool, Jared. Hey, thank you so much for being here, sharing your story. I love hearing about Superfit. Again, as a customer, I also enjoy the food. But the journey of Superfit has been so interesting to me. Looking forward to kind of keeping up with that. And thank you so much for being on here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Understanding who you are inside is one of the most important things you can do to further yourself as a leader and to grow a brand that is going to succeed. I'll tell you what Jared shared some serious wisdom in this episode, and I personally just love hearing his story because he's been through some stuff. It's stuff that many of us, instead of having a positive outlook on, we'd have a negative outlook on, meaning many of us would be like, well, I've been through this, or you know, I've had that happen to me. Jared doesn't do that. He leverages all that toward his success and to become a better entrepreneur and business leader, and I love that. Jared, thank you so much again for being on the episode today. If you're interested in learning more about Jared, you can go to com. That's Jared and his last name is spelled G-R-A-Y-B-E-A-L.com, com. You can get links to all of his websites there. And if you're interested in Superfit Foods, I've actually got something for you. Jared is also a very close friend of mine, and I am a Superfit Foods customer and have been for some time and probably will be forever. So I was like, Jared, you've got to give me something to give to our community. And he agreed to give me a discount, but just for actual community members. I can't give it out here on the episode. However, if you are creating a brand community member, make sure you're looking out for this code because I'm going to share it when I share the episode and we have our discussion about it within our community. I'm also going to share that. So you can get started. At a discounted rate. And I encourage you to at least give it a shot for a little bit because you're going to get hooked. The food is amazing. Like I said, Jared crushes it, and the quality of their food definitely shows that. So excited about that. And Jared, thank you again for giving us that discount to our community members and for the rest of you consider joining the community so you can get a discount on some great food that is a perk you probably never thought you'd hear for a digital community right anyway jared thank you again for being on this episode really excited about what you shared i know it's been an encouragement in my life if you're interested in show notes from today's episode please visit creatingabrandpodcast.com thank you as always for listening to another episode